Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to LCC. All the glory and honor and praise goes to God. Amen? Amen. All right, let's sing about that this morning. Amen. It's so good to be here with you all and singing that this morning. Hi. Hi. Oh. You might, yeah. I don't want to stand there. We're still figuring some things out around here. Good morning, everyone. This is uh, this is Lee. I'm Brett. Hi, Brett. How I'm Lee. Lee. Good. We good. really practiced that introduction yeah. a lot. It is so good to see everyone this morning, and welcome to anyone who maybe this is your first time at LCC. We will say this is a very different Sunday than we are used to, so we are glad to have you with us in this new um, this morning, we're gonna, going to have time to continue with worship, and we'll have time to take communion together, mm-hmm. hear from the word. Hey man, that's about it. I have nothing else to contribute. That is great. Uh, other than it's very different, but man, it's just really good to be here in this building, isn't it? Amen. It is. Yeah. Amen. I think I'm probably going to say that 10 times today, but yeah. it's so good to be here together with you all. And so cool that it's the same people and new people, yeah. that we get to be that church of people, no matter where we are, mm-hmm. but it is good to be back. You know, believe it or not, I was here with someone a couple weeks ago moving stuff in, and they told me, this is the first time I've ever been in this building. I was like, oh my gosh. They started coming to LCC while we were meeting at RELC, which is, which is crazy to me. I didn't even realize that. And this person had been coming to my cell group for a couple of months. I probably should have known that. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, uh, one, one other thing that we wanted to mention, Rachel and I were practicing this morning, and she reminded me, she said it was appropriate that we're practicing and we're, we're singing with an acoustic uh, sort of set, because right now, some of us, some of our body are in Honduras, mm-hmm. and you, you've been there before. Yeah. It's just uh, the fact that we're here, and it's very uh, lo-fi for us, and very uh, simple but when you're there, their churches are simple, and if they have one mic and one like speaker, they are jamming. <laughs> and it like the spirit with just that little bit is amazing. So I'm gonna put my plug. If you haven't been, you should go experience it. But also just that we can worship in the same way that they're worshiping there, and uh, keep them in their you know them in our prayers as we're going through the week and as they're ministering to our brothers and sisters down there. So. Just a cool thought I had on the on the way in. You said you want me to sing with you, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stay up here the rest of the time. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. We'll continue worship. Awesome. Uh, before we sing, let's actually just take a second. We're gonna we're gonna pray uh, for our team in Honduras. So let's bow our heads. Uh, God, we uh, we want to acknowledge you in this moment. Um, we want to again just give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. This is all for you, and, and, and we're so thankful for the group of people uh, from our own body that are, that are in Honduras right now, um, just sharing the gospel, following your command to share the gospel with all the ends of the world. Um, we pray for safety, um, and God, I know talking to some of them, th- their main prayer request was that you would just use them, that they would be able to be used for your glory. So we thank you so much, God, for that. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hola. Hola. <laughs> um, well, uh, if-
if you don't know us, we're Dean and Amber Baumgartner, and um, it's just so good to be back here in our home building together again, isn't it? And I'm going to try not to get all emotional. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> um, if you're new to LCC or visiting us uh, for the first time, um, we're just so happy that you're here with us today. Um, it's a special day. Um, just I want to tell you that at LCC, we meet here in our large group um, for worship. And then we have various small groups that meet around the communities um, for uh, fellowship. Um, we've been part of LCC for about six years, and we host a small group. Um, it's provided us a real opportunity to uh, go deeper into God's word, to um, grow in our knowledge and our love for him and for each other. And um, it has, uh, I would just encourage you to seek this out for yourself. It's, it's really special. Um, it helps us to be more like him. Um, so if you're interested in that, please stop by the welcome desk after, and uh, you can learn more. Um, today, though, we have the privilege of sharing a communion with you. through John 6 a little bit today. Sorry. Um, I encourage you all go home later today or later this week and read through it because I'm only going to read a few of the verses here, but I thought it uh, important for what we're going to be doing. This uh, occurred the day after the miracle of feeding of thousands with uh, loaves of bread and fish. And the next day, people are looking uh, to Jesus. And there's kind of a kind of a back and forth uh, discussion going on. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate and were filled. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day I am the bread of life anyone who eats this bread shall live forever this bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh truly truly I say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in yourselves, for my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. He who eats it has eternal life. What we find is many of his followers heard all of this, and they said, this is difficult to understand. Other of his followers, it says, grumbled at what they were hearing. And what we find at this point is many of his followers withdrew and did not walk with him anymore. Jesus said, therefore, to those who were left, 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Peter looked around and answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Just think our group here today. When you leave, some of you might say, who's Dean and Amber? Are they qualified? You know, our expectations weren't met. You know, we hear the same thing every week. Some of you might share in bread here, but, you know, I didn't have breakfast this morning. You know, I'm hungry. I'm not filled. Leave. Go to McDonald's. Some of you might say, you know, one thing I meant to mention, Jesus says in 6, you know, this is about the spirit. This is unseen spirituality, not physical needs. You know, you might say, I'm not dying today. I got errands to run. I don't have time for this spirit. And you walk away. And there's only a handful down here left who say, you know, I don't understand what they were saying, but maybe I'll stick around and learn a little more. I'm hungry, but maybe they said they have food and we'll quench our thirst. Maybe we'll listen a little bit more to that. Some of you might say, I don't have time. It doesn't seem important about eternal life, but maybe I'll stick around and learn more about that. Those 12. So the first communion occurred on the very last night that Jesus was with his disciples. It's what we're partaking in today, that same thing. Um, he knew he was going to be betrayed and ultimately uh, tried and put to death on the cross. The disciples didn't yet understand what it all meant. They didn't understand what was coming. But it went something like this. And while they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And after a blessing, he broke it into pieces, gave it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat it, for it's my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And when he had taken a cup of wine and given thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant between God and his people, which is poured out for many forgiveness of sins. We're not worthy, but he offers it to us for free. Yeah. Communion is important to us. Us who are believers, us as believers in Christ, um, we want to partake with this. Please remain seated. It looks like the elements have been passed out. <laughs> but uh, what I'd like to say is, if you are a follower and believer in cross, please share in this communion with us. We leave it up to you, you know, if you think you're ready to participate or if you have family here. And at this point... Take a moment to reflect, give thanks for what it means to be a follower and believer of Christ. And then when I speak, we will uh, take the elements together. So I'm just going to give you a moment.
Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's all take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup also and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take the juice. Right here we are back together. You guys look great. This is different. It's nice, very cozy. You're very close to each other. You're used to spreading out, aren't you? And you're a little uncomfortable right now. Let's be honest. Um, I want to start today. Can we just take maybe a minute and just pause and kind of quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, and just stop for a moment? Most of the time, we're running, we've got things going constantly, and, our, and we, our minds don't stop. So let's take a minute. Maybe even close your eyes and just pause. Okay, thanks for doing that. It can be hard, can it? Find it hard when someone asks you to stop doing something to, to get your mind to kind of slow down. Maybe you see it as a waste of time, right? I just wasted a minute. I could have been doing something. I could have been thinking about something. You know, in 1985, there were a couple of cardiologists and they coined the term hurry sickness. Though it's not a medical condition, they defined it as a sense of excessive time urgency. And they concluded that this was something that brought anxiety, it brought restlessness, and it impacted like the overall health of a person. Hurry sickness. That's a pretty good description of life in our, in our day today. Um, we often feel stressed, right? Overwhelmed unable to get ahead. It's like we just don't have enough time. Time feels like this weight around our neck. We just can't seem to get enough of it. And ironically, there can almost be kind of a pride in our, our busyness and this lack of time, kind of like, how are you doing? I'm busy. Yeah, me too. 
I, I just, if I just had one more day, one more day in a week, I'd be able to get things done. And technology was supposed to be the answer. You know, in 1930, there was an economist, John Maynard Keyes, and he predicted that his grandkids would work 15 hours a week. They would work basically Monday and Tuesday, and then they'd have a five-day weekend. How's that sound? Five-day weekend. Some of you are salivating right now. I can see it. Five days. I'm going to guess that's not happening for you. And in the midst of all this, this craziness that we experience in this world, God says, I want you to take one day and stop and rest from work. And I'm like, what? One day? Are you kidding me? That is... That's unfathomable. How do we do that? It's impossible. It's unproductive. There's, there's not margin for that. And so we kind of go on. We live our lives and we do, I think, damage to ourselves. And we have, live in this state of anxiety like our world does, unrest. And we look back to tech again. Maybe if, there's just, if I get this app, this is the one that will save me time. It's never been that way. It's always, it takes more of you. The promise is big, but it takes more of you. And all the while, there's one who's got answers. There's one who knows us, who knit us together, and he might just understand what's best for us since he made us. So today, I think it's an opportunity for us. If we'll listen, man, you have the chance to hear about some healthy patterns and rhythms with your life today and, and to listen to the one who made us and designed us to flourish so, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And we've been in this series in Genesis for the last two weeks. We've been watching God take space and, like, set the course for it. He, he forms it. He fills it. He brings order to space. And today, we're going to see him do that with time, with time. So, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. That's basically a recap of chapter 1 of days 1 through 6. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. There is no other day that God sets apart. There's no other day that God blesses. Day one, two, three, four, five, six. No, it's the seventh day. It's the day that he rested from his creative work. Seventh in the Hebrew, the root means to be full, to be entire, to be complete. God finished his creative work, then he rested. It's complete. How did he rest? How did he rest? Well, the word for rest in the Hebrew is this, Shabbat. Can you say it with me? Very good. Shabbat. And it means to cease from work, from activity, from producing, to stop. Why did God do that? Why did God rest? Did he wear himself out? Did he just get so tired? Was he just unable to go on? No, he simply stopped his creative work. He wasn't tired. 
He wasn't burned out. In fact, Scripture tells us in John 5 that he's always at work. So this resting was not about being tired. In fact, this rest came out of a state of being pleased at what he had made, pleased at filling and forming. Out of that pleasure came that blessing of the seventh day and the decision to set it apart. Holy means set apart. This is a distinct day. This is different. It is significant that this pattern that God created, this rhythm, happened before sin was ever mentioned, before the fall of Adam and Eve. At the very start, God takes time and he establishes a rhythm. He does it, as he would later clarify, as an example to those he created, to us, for our flourishing for the flourishing of all creation, because God set up times to stop. He did this for us. He did it for animals. He did this even for the land. He did it for the land. He knows about flourishing. He, he put it all together. That's because Sabbath, he did it. He, it's woven into the fabric of creation by our creator. I got a Toyota. It's my car. The, the creator of the Toyota tells me that in order for my car to flourish, I've got to do some things to it, right? I've got to replenish the oil every X number of miles, right? In Sabbath, God is sending this signal, imitate my example, my pattern that I set for you of labor and rest. In his wisdom, he gives all mankind, this is not just believers, but everyone, this pattern of healthy life, healthy living, this blueprint, Work, 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 work. Is that six? Rest. Now, after Adam and Eve, after the fall of man, when sin entered the world, Scripture is actually fairly quiet on the Sabbath for a while. You don't hear a lot about it. What you do see is sin, the effects of sin take root, and eventually it leads to, to a flood, right? Right? And then fast forward thousands of years, the Israelites, the people of Israel are in captivity. They are enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years. We cannot even fathom what that, to be enslaved for 400 years. Seven days a week of work, oppressive conditions. There was no Shabbat. There was no rest. Any practice of it had evaporated. It had been forgotten. And what happens is that God intervenes. We, most of us know the story. Through Moses, he, he brings the people out of Egypt. And one of the first things that God does is to reestablish this pattern, this pattern of Sabbath. We see it in Exodus 16. They're in the wilderness, and God is providing food for them. They don't have any. He provides this food called manna, this bread-like kind of substance. It falls from the sky. Each day, the people go out. They get the manna. They bring it back. The manna would only last them for that day, and then it would rot. God gave them exactly what they needed each day. But on the holy day, the day that was set apart, the seventh day, there would be no manna provided. And God said, the day before, on the sixth day, I want you to gather double. Yeah, but doesn't it rot on the seventh day? It didn't rot. God made it so that just on the seventh day, it did not rot, and they could eat it. You see, he set apart the day. And then God begins this, this covenant 
with these people, these people of Israel. He begins this agreement with them. And we see it in Exodus 19. He basically says to them, listen, you saw what I did for you in Egypt. I brought you out. Now, if you fully obey me, if you keep my covenants, then out of all the nations, you will be treasured. You will be the treasured, my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a holy nation, a set-apart nation. This is what we call, this is the start of what we call the Mosaic Covenant. All right, the agreement. And this agreement was between God and the Israelites. And, but get this about the agreement. In order for a, for a holy, perfect, righteous God to be their God, to lead them, they would have to fully obey him. That was the requirement for a people who, who carried sin to be with a holy God, in the presence of a holy God. And so that's where we have this system of sacrifices that comes about to pay, to atone for sin. And with that covenant came commandments to follow, okay? Most of us know, most of us are familiar with 10 of them, the 10 commandments. They were, the, the 10 commandments were essentials to just loving God and loving others. And it, it, was, it brought about the flourishing uh, of the people. It governed the people. Now, the longest of those 10 is the fourth commandment. It gets more words than any of the other ones. And this is what it says. It's about the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For... In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What is the fourth commandment doing? It's going back to Genesis, back to what was set by God, reinforcing that. Sabbath is set apart to the Lord. Sabbath is a blessed day by God. And so God just, just reinforces this. He's got to do this with the people who've been working seven days a week, right? They had just been working. They didn't know this concept. They had to learn it again. And so you hear it over and over in Exodus. Exodus 31, for six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. What? We'll come back to that in a second. But does that seem severe? Death? That was the requirement of the covenant for a holy God to be with the sinful people. We can't comprehend it. Because the holiness of God, we cannot begin to take in his perfection, his righteousness. On a side note, this covenant shows us, the Mosaic covenant shows us why we needed Jesus to deal with sin so that we could be with God. When we took communion, Jesus said before communion, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new covenant. My blood poured out 
for you so that you can be with God. But here, in Exodus 31, Sabbath is a sign between God and the Israelites. And it's, it's establishing something for the people, not to embrace it, but also, you see the word there, celebrate. Celebrate. And how about that at the end? On the seventh day, God rested and was refreshed. That's not the only place where we see the Sabbath being talked about as a refreshment. That's interesting because I think if you survey most people, people would say, Sabbath, that's the day we sit down, we're not allowed to do anything, we are real quiet. That's not what what we see here. It's kind of cool that God wanted his people to be refreshed. What else? What else did God intend for the Sabbath? Deuteronomy 5. Let's look at this. Remember, this is in the context of talking about the Sabbath. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. God set aside the Sabbath to remember, to remember. We'll unpack that in a little bit too. So how do we Sabbath? We Sabbath by resting from work, by being refreshed, and by remembering. We Sabbath by resting from work, being refreshed, and remembering. And this was important. This is important to God, to the God who made us. He reinforces it over and over. Six days you shall labor. This is Exodus 34. But on the seventh day you shall rest. Listen to this. Even during plowing season and harvest, you must rest. Wait, that's the most important time. Every day counts during that, during that season. No, you rest. What's the principle there for us? Oh, you've got lists. You've got things you need to do. You've got deadlines. It doesn't make sense. And God says, Sabbath. Put it aside to rest. It's, it's unfathomable. I think about the Israelites and this adjustment that had to happen for them and how hard it must have been to set new patterns. Coming out into the wilderness after working every day, uh, there's threats around you. You're, you're trying to establish yourself, reestablish yourself as a nation. You want to work, man. You want to get there. And God says, no, healthy, riv- healthy rhythms. Stop. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up. Do you trust me? Healthy rhythms. Maybe you're there. Maybe it's been so long since you've had a healthy rhythm on a day of the week to rest. Now, this is big, so stay with me here, because in Genesis 2, while God points to to resting from work, he also, with the Sabbath, points to another kind of rest, a deeper rest that comes from dwelling with him. This is a spiritual rest. Because when God began that covenant back in Exodus 33, he said to the Israelites, listen, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He promised them a land where they would have rest. And eventually they got to that land. In Joshua 21, we see that the Lord gave them rest. The problem is the rest hinged on their obedience, which as we know, the people of Israel seemed to come and go. But God continued to point ahead to a deeper 
more permanent spiritual rest that was coming, that would come through the Messiah. That rest would change everything. And if we fast forward to Jesus, when he arrives, the seventh day is still being observed when he arrives. But it had changed in practice for many from being a day of flourishing to one of rule-keeping. And the religious leaders had, had weaponized the Sabbath. They used it to to control. They misinterpreted it and used it to control others. And Jesus was not going to allow this to happen on this day that was set apart by God, this special day. He wasn't going to allow it to be hijacked, and so he brought it to a head with the religious leaders. He healed people who were in need. He helped people flourish. He celebrated with his disciples on the Sabbath. Oh, the religious leaders, this frustrated them. One time they were walking through the grain fields, and Jesus and his disciples were hungry, and so they saw the grain. They began to pick it, presumably to eat it. And the religious leaders had decided, listen, that's work, because what do you do on days one through six? When you're working the fields, you pick the grain, so you can't pick the grain. And Jesus, they called Jesus out on this, and Jesus said to them, and this is profound for us to think about as we think about the seventh day. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for us. It's for us. We are not meant to be enslaved to it as a rule, which is what the religious leaders did. Jesus said the Sabbath is for you. Now, Jesus worked a lot when he was here. He taught. He was constantly healing people, traveling. He was investing in his disciples, but Jesus rested, and he led his disciples to rest too. We see it in Mark 6. A lot going on there. Not even, they're serving to the point where they don't have time to eat. He pulls them aside and says, we need to get away to a quiet place to rest. We see this numerous times in Jesus' life in the Gospels. He rests, goes away with the Father. The one who was meant to be our rest, rested. Let that sink in. The one who was meant to be our rest, rested. Because Jesus was the Messiah. He was that deeper rest that God had promised. Rest for our souls. Rest through dwelling with the God who put us together. And Jesus said, a familiar passage here. Come to me, all you who are weary. And those of you who are carrying burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For what I ask is easy. My yoke and my burden is light. Oh, we need this deeper rest today. We need it in this world we live in. And Jesus provided it when he died on the cross, when he made a way for us to be with God, for God to be with us and in us. In him, anytime, 24-7, we have this access to deep rest and peace. Okay, so if that's the case... What about the seventh day? 
What does that mean for us now? Well, after Jesus, Paul addressed this. And he, the same thing was happening during Paul's time where people were using the Sabbath to kind of enslave people, um, to make them obey rules. And in Colossians, this is what Paul says. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. You see, Sabbath points to the true source of spiritual rest, Jesus. Okay, so if Christ is our rest, what about the seventh day? Do we still need it? The author of Hebrews addresses this. And, man, we could unpack this for weeks, but I'm going to keep it simple. He talks about the deeper rest in Christ. He talks about the day of rest. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest. That's the rest in Christ also rests from their works, just as God did from his. There, let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest. We rest, we stop working to fully enter his rest, to, to do it, to have a time to do it. And I think this is where common sense comes in, because let me ask you, does it make sense that God establishes this, this rhythm before sin, then Jesus comes, deals with sin, and all of a sudden we no longer need a day to cease, that our bodies don't need it, that our minds don't need it, that we somehow have this supercharge now, that we don't need it. I, I've yet to meet a person who says, man, if I would have just worked on that seventh day, I would be so much closer to Jesus. I would be so much more in awe of him if I just would have worked that whole day. See, God established this rhythm. He established this, this way, this, this invitation to, to flourishing. Listen, we're free in Christ, but God gave us this blueprint. And though we're no longer under the Mosaic law, I think we'd all say that every one of those Ten Commandments is for our flourishing. And they reflect not only God's heart, his character, but they reflect life, what life is like in the kingdom. So yeah, we have forgiveness in Christ. We're not judged by the law anymore, but our flourishing, our flourishing comes from living in what God has set. And Sabbath is no exception. It's an invitation. We'd be foolish to try and cheat what God has set up. This is such an important thing to talk about because we've so disregarded this, I believe. And I believe it affects every area of our lives because we've got it backwards. We've got it backwards. We look to the wrong things. We put the wrong things first, like work, right? If I just nail this job thing, if I just nail it, man, it's going to bring, make every area of my life right. If I, it's going to help me, my family to be better. It's going to help me to do what I want to do. Maybe even God, maybe I'll be able to give more or whatever. But pouring into that funnel is like pouring into an upside down one, right? Minimal flourishing happens. But kingdom living is this. You pour into life with God 
first, and I think this includes the Sabbath. You pour into the things that God has set for us. And the result is that it funnels down and it blesses every other area of your life when you trust him with it. Your family is better when you seek God first. Your friendships are better. Your hobbies are better. Your job is better. You find meaning in it. So God invited us to this flourishing, and the core issue for us in this is two of them, trust and pride. Because if we do this, if we do this Sabbath thing, that means we're going to have to embrace that we've got limits. That means we're going to have to let go of control. We're going to have to trust God with things that are undone. Oh, that's so hard to do. I hate that. I sit down for a minute, and I'm like, well, I could be doing this or this, and it could just get me ahead, right? But that's never-ending. Doing Sabbath means that we may have zero to show for it at the end of the day that we can see tangibly. Zero. Nothing checked off the list. That's frustrating. That can be frustrating. But it's good for us. We've got to trust the one who knit us together. We've got to release the pride that says, I know better. I know about my flourishing better. I know how to do it. All right, so how do we do it? How do we do this Sabbath thing? We know what it's about, but, but how do we practically live it out? Last week, Jeff Haynes did a great job, fantastic job unpacking that we are each created unique. We're in the image of God, but we're created unique. And so each one of us is going to have a different answer to how we, how the, we live this out. And we've got to work this out with, with God and with ourselves too, right? But let's start with what it is and what it isn't. Sabbath is not, Sabbath does not equal a day off because you can work six days at your job and then you can take the seventh day and work and just do stuff, do work. You can do that. Eugene Peterson, pastor, uh, passed away, but he called that a bastard Sabbath. A bastard Sabbath, that's what that is. Sabbath is, does not equal sleeping for 24 hours. Hey, you might have a Sabbath where that happens. That's not what it is, though. Sabbath is not church, right? Oh, you may go to church on your day of rest, but that's not what it is. Sabbath is a blessing. Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is an invitation. Sabbath is a time to slow down, to unhurry. Sabbath is celebration. Celebration. Sabbath is reclaiming our identity, that we're not about what we produce. We're not about what we've accumulated. We're not about what people think about us. We can set up this rhythm well by doing this, preparing. Because if God set this day apart, if he called it blessed, if he called it holy and unlike any others, that means that we should have some anticipation for it. And really, our week should crescendo with this day, this Sabbath day. Everything should build towards this day. Everybody's working for the the Sabbath, for the rest, right? You wanted to finish it. You know you did. (laughs) So we set it apart. Some people start with a meal, man. When my Sabbath starts, I'm going to start it with a meal to set it apart. I'm gonna, some people light candles. I'm going to light candles. I'm going to have a time where this, I, I remember it because I'm going to mark it by this. 
This is the Sabbath. We prepare by picking a day in advance to protect. For me, it's Sunday at 5 p.m. till Monday at 5 p.m. Sorry if I don't return your calls. That's the day that I set apart, not doing anything. Now it's a battle at times. It's been a battle in this season when there's been a lot more to do, a lot more stuff. It's harder to protect. You got to fight for it. You have to fight for it. And we also pre prepare by just considering how do we as individuals rest? How are we refreshed? How do we remember? Remember, the Sabbath was made for you. Don't you do it. Don't you say, well, I got to do 33% of rest, 33% remembering, 33%. Um, I got to time it all out. No. The Sabbath was made for you. But you can ask yourself, like, how does that happen? How does that happen? So in terms of rest, how do you rest from work? How do you slow down? You can answer this in your mind right now or spend some time thinking about it this week. What allows your mind and your body to relax? Put your phone away. That's mental work. It's distraction. For me, it's usually a nap at some point. Man, I love a nap. Oh, I'm thinking about it right now. Sometimes it's quiet. Oh, the older I get, man, I just like crave just the noise just to go away. Just for a time. It's quiet. Maybe it's a book. Consider how you can rest. How about refresh? How do you refresh? Think about it. What brings you refreshment? For some of you, it's like, oh, I'm going to go out and walk. I'm going to go run. Some of you, no, that's work, man. There's no way I'm running. Some of you, it's gardening, right? I like to be outside and garden. That's work for me. I hate gardening. I'm not going to do that. I'll find another time to do that. How do you refresh? If the prevailing thought is, I got to get this done, or I got to check this off this list, or get ahead, don't do it. Don't do it. That's work. Okay? Others of you, it might be a, a sport or a game or just a, a meal or, you know, I like to sit with my dog. Man, that's refreshing. I like to play pickleball. Um, I like to be with my family. Rest, refresh. How about remember? How do you remember God on the Sabbath? And this is where you rule keepers. I'm going to confront it right now because you're thinking to yourself, oh, I got to fill up the day with remembering God. Who said that? No one said that. You don't have to channel the whole day to remember God, but you can take some time to reflect, right? How do you do that? Well, you, you look around. You delight in what he's made. You, you think about him, his goodness. Um, there are places around this city where you've experienced something special that God has allowed to happen. Or maybe it represents something that God brought you out of. What if you drove there and just spent five minutes just saying, this is what this place represents. That's a way to remember. You can remember by worshiping. You can remember by, you know, Psalm 92 is a psalm about Sabbath. It's all about Sabbath. You could, you could read that. Listen, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take discipline for you to receive the gift and to live out this gift that God gave to you, especially if you've been living like the Israelites in Egypt, seven days a week, no 
rest. If that's the case, take the pressure off. Start with two hours. Start with four hours. Build. But start with some kind of rest. Invest in it. Take the pressure off. If you journal, man, this is a great thing to do this week. Even if you don't, take a piece of paper out. Just write to God to say, this has been my history with Sabbath. This is what I know to be true, what you intended for it. God, this is how I'd like to start to think about using it and implementing it. Now, before you go, can we talk about the elephant in the room? Because some of you are saying, I don't have any time. Your perception is you have no time. And I will tell you, you and I 100% have time for this. God has given you free will to choose your schedule. That's a lot of power to choose how you're going to live your life. And that may mean if you embrace this, you may have to give up. You probably will have to do a reset and eliminate some things. You'll have to do it. <laughs> Comedian, Nate Bargazia, this very funny guy. He did this bit on pancakes. It's so funny. He's, he said, I love pancakes. I love them so much, and they make me so tired. And I never blame them. I'm like, what is up with me today? I can't get it going. And I go to my wife, and I say, I think we need new pillows. She says, you think it's those pancakes? Maybe that loaf of bread and syrup you just ate? It's funny, but it's true because we can be oblivious to how we function, right? We don't even think about it. And when it comes to our time, it's the same. We consume, we waste so much time being distracted with our phones, with media, with entertainment. We just leave the faucet open sometimes with that stuff, and it just fills and fills. And we're like, what is up with me? I got no time. I'm underwater. You think it might be those three hours, five hours, seven hours a day that you wasted? No, no. It's pillows. That's what it is. So we got to stop living backwards. It's not good for us. It's hurting us, our families, our jobs, our relationships, our community. We were not knitted to live that way. We were not created to live that way. We're created to find rest, to find rest. Some of us can't even imagine what that's like. That rest that Jesus offers, we're like, I don't know if I believe that. Because our lives are, have been set up in such a way, we've chosen to live in such a way that we can't begin to even imagine what that would be like. So just to recap, I'm going the wrong way here. Sabbath is woven into the fabric of creation by the creator. We Sabbath by resting from work, being refreshed, and remembering. Sabbath points to the true source of spiritual rest, our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for true rest. Thank you, God, for caring enough to set up a pattern in our lives for flourishing. Thank you, God, for that. And God, we 
confess, I confess on behalf of all of us that we have forgotten what this day is to be and what it's to look like. We need this. We need this. We trust you. We will trust you in what you say. We let go of the pride that we have, thinking we know what's best. We trust you, God. We love you. We know you want us to flourish. You sent Christ to forgive us our sins so that we would flourish. You gave us a pattern of living so that we would flourish. We thank you, thank you, thank you for that, God. And we sing and we worship you right now. In your name, amen. Would you stand and let's sing. Amen. We did it. <laughs> Gathered in the lobby. We're so glad you're with us today. Again, thank you for, uh, for coming and being squeezing in tight and being with us. Um, we're so glad to be here. A couple things before we go, okay? We'll be right back here next week with the sounds of the kids around us. And this is going to be, this is gonna be uh, us together for a few weeks, okay? Um, we are excited to, to get back on the other side of that wall. But I do need to say that we're not ready to be on the other side of that wall. So especially when you get your kids from Kids Life, let's make sure that they don't kind of take over and head that way, please, okay? Speaking of kids and Kids Life, that door, parents, is the, the one door. And then one other thing we could use your help with. There's still work going on in here, okay, um, in this very room. So we need to get the chairs out of here and through those doors, okay? So if you're able, if you're not, don't worry about it, but if you're able and you can grab your one chair, we're, there's going to be someone in there just directing us to stack some chairs in that room. If you can't or you get, don't worry about it. We'll get it taken care of. But if you can, that would be great to help us. And we're so glad you're with us. That was it, right? Okay. Have a great Sunday, great week, great Sabbath.